0: we welcome you to the otp the official titans podcast mike keith and amy well
1: hey mike how are you good how are you well
0: pleased to be joined by the pro bowler the mayor of murfreesboro himself <laughs> kevin byard titan safety welcome how are you I'm great. I'm doing well. I'm living on cloud nine right now. I was going to say, the <laughs> the whole thing about pro bowler, leader, all this, throw that out the window, soon to be dad.
2: Yes. Okay, Let's dad.
0: let's talk about what happened the first weekend in May. Your wife's name is Clark. Yes. Okay. And you are having a child together and very yes, excited about this. Very excited. And so you had – and this is something kind of new – you had a reveal party. Yeah, we had a gender reveal. Okay, yeah. so how was the gender reveal party? Who all came and what was that like?
2: It was great. Uh, it was funny because, you know, we was doing the whole plan the gender reveal. And uh, the plan was to uh, – we had it at the house. The plan was to have everything in our backyard outside. So we're looking at the weather forecast, and the whole week is like, always oh, going to be raining from Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're going to have it on a Saturday. So we end up pretty much scrambling around and had to – Bring everything from outside to inside. <laughs> but we ended up having about 40 guests. Uh, a bunch of the teammates came over. Logan Ryan, Jarrell Casey, um, Kevin Panfile came over. Um, I mean, it was a lot of guys came over. It was just a great event. Uh, and it's funny. So, like, we was going to have it outside, and the, the plan was to kind of shoot some fireworks. But that wasn't going to work outside. No. So we had a couple pl- backup plans where we was going to do the confetti, pop the balloon with confetti in the house. Then I started thinking, like, man, I slick. Don't want to clean up all this confetti in my house. <laughs> so... We was ho- So we, then we have some smoke bombs. And it was just luckily that around the time we was going to do the reveal, it was a slight drizzle outside. So we like, man, we're just going to go outside. People had going to to get rained do on a little bit. Yeah, we're going to do it. And it actually looked great, man. I think it, it was a lot better for, you know, the pictures and stuff like that. So it came out great.
0: And you're having a daughter. Yes, I'm having a daughter. And I saw Emily Proud on the news, <laughs> and she said you're going to name the, the, the child Emily. Is that the uh, – Yeah, <laughs> it was, it's, it's
2: in consideration. It's in consideration. <laughs> How
0: close are we to a name?
2: Uh we're actually very close. We probably got a top 5 right now. No kidding. We got a top 5 I now, think. Now
0: are you and your wife divided on it or are you pretty together on it? We're
2: actually together. Honestly, before I think cuz we found out in January. So and the baby's due in September 18th. Uh I think maybe about February. She had about 20 girl names. So I had already was like, man, so we kind of had to cut them down. We probably got a top 5 right now, so if it had been a boy, would it have been a fight over the name? Yeah, so she actually wanted me to do the whole junior thing. She wanted me no named Kevin. Really? Okay. But I, I kind of wasn't. I w- really wasn't with that. I'm, I'm actually a third. So I was kind of just going to leave it at that. I kind of didn't want, you know, my child kind of having to, you know, in my shadow and things like that. Oh, I don't
0: like, know. I mean, you're a Pro Bowl safety. Yeah. I wish right. I had
1: the name of a Pro Bowl. I mean, like yeah. I mean,
0: that's, <laughs> a, that's a good thing, as as I've seen. Guys come along and to see so and so junior or so and so the third. It's really cool, right? But it's funny because I was actually it was
2: thinking like maybe if I had a second boy I may name Kevin because I'm the second boy in my okay. family and I was and I'm a junior. So that's kind of I, I might was gonna keep it along, but the first child I was gonna name something different.
0: But uh, ended up being a girl, so. I mean, uh, so the, the whole, when did the gender reveal thing start, Around Amy? the
1: time Instagram started, yeah, it's a social I think. Media thing, it's a honestly. big social media thing. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a good excuse to throw a party, I right. think. And it's a fun way to get everybody together and kind of celebrate before you do like a baby shower. Like you don't bring gifts to a gender reveal, no, right? Not at all. You no. just show up, eat the food.
2: What was the food? We had a cater. Listen, she went all out. I mean, she had caters in there. She had a, she had a bartender. In our house. Nice. They set up a bar in the house, like, on we our back porch. You need to get porch. on the
1: list to these parties, I know. <laughs> Listen, it, it, was, it was great. We had,
2: like, two two drinks. We had, like, a blue margarita, and then we had a pink sangria.
0: It was dope. Uh. It was honest. It was All right, so let dope. me ask this, and be completely honest. Did you want a boy, or did you want a girl? And I know the right answer <laughs> is right. just healthy. Anything. I, I exactly. get it as long as health. But, I mean, come on. I mean,
2: I, I think every boy, every male selfishly want a boy first. Okay, I mean, it's, you kind of want to have the boy first and then have him being the oldest. But honestly, I think, you know, the girl is exactly what I needed. I think uh, it's going to soften me up a little bit more for sure. And uh, like I already told my wife, you're going to have some competition now because I'm definitely going to spoil her like crazy. So she's going to have some competition man,
0: now. man, in about 15, 16 years, those dudes coming to the house are going to have a bad problem. Yeah. You know it
1: would be terrifying to date the daughter of a – NFL oh, player, be awful. not a, let alone like a Pro Bowl. Yeah, right. No, right.
2: yeah, that, I don't, I don't, I can't. Really how'd you think, like I to? Go, how'd you, you like to walk right into that? I would. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Mm-mm. laughs>
2: no, nah, not at all, not at all. I'm showing up to the house. I mean, whoever shows up to the house or whatever, I'll be right at the front door.
0: Who are you here for? <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, it ain't, it ain't going that. But I can't even think that far. Yet. No. I can't
0: think that far. Well, this is. Um, <laughs> Gosh, what an exciting chapter of your life, though. It is. And, it, and it's so hard, but we met you at the Senior Bowl in 2016. Right. Mm-hmm. And we stood out on that deck and did that horrible interview. In and the, like
1: pouring the pouring rain.
0: Down ninety pouring down 90-mile-an-hour winds. And, um, it, you know, we've watched it back, and, and it's, it's such a great memory for us because we were so excited about you. Right. And we thought, man, we've got to draft Kevin Byard. And then <laughs> – you go out and not only become a titan but you you blow i mean you're on the you're on the schedule poster you're on
1: <laughs> that's when you know you've arrived I, I mean, right, I mean, right, you're right. one of
0: the faces of the franchise uh i was visiting with a with a couple of friends this morning and i mean you really are one of the stories of of the last few years to to come out and to do what you've done and then you become successful, you lead the league in interceptions, you get married, right. you're involved in the community, and now you're having a baby. It's like we're we're sort of growing up with you this yeah, way. Yeah, man,
2: it's, it's honestly unbelievable a little bit to have you know my story being told and the way it's being told. And uh, Like I said, going back to the Senior Bowl, I was actually nervous and more thinking about, man, am I actually going to come out of the Senior Bowl with a combine invite? And I didn't. So just to think that I was there and now I'm here – you know, like it's it's definitely a blessing. not a, at this point, I don't really question anything that happens in my life. I'm just kind of just going with the flow. And uh, has the company
0: apologized to you yet? Nah, man, Have they, they called and apologized. They need to. They need to. <laughs> they, 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 they missed <laughs> out. I would they don't because you're not over it, and it motivates you all the time.
2: Oh, for sure. I think every single year, every season you go into, you have to find motivation. right? If it was the Pro Bowl snub last year, you have to find something that's going to keep you motivated to work hard and, and to go hard, I mean, at a certain extent.
1: So that chip on your shoulder, that's the driving force. That's what makes Kevin Byard the guy we see on that field.
2: Yeah, sure. And then also, I mean, I had a coach tell me when I was in college, He also he always told me, you know, first of all, you're you always competing with yourself. Every single day, compete with yourself. Compete with your past self. Right? If I made a Pro Bowl last year, or I had these stats last year, try to keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself. And he also always told me I, I come from Middle Tennessee, and I was in the Sun Belt and moved to Conference USA, but he always said, Hey, don't compete with the guys that's in your conference. Compete with the, the, the Alabamas of the world, the, the Georgias and all those teams. See what they're doing and what they're working. So I'm always thinking about you know how the Patriots are working because they just want a Super Bowl. How are the other big big teams or the teams that's, that's always showing in the playoffs every single year or, or guys that's making a Pro Bowl every single year, you know how do I keep competing and how do I get to that level?
1: So during the off season, do you have a moment where you sit down and set goals, set what you want to accomplish for the upcoming season?
2: Yeah, it's kind of like – it's almost like a process. So, I take, like, the first two months. I mean, I kind of rest a little bit. I think in February that's when I kind of start working my way back into it. But always I'm just kind of looking around and, and pretty much seeing. Honestly, I set goals based off what I did the previous year. So, you know, I, I've already had eight interceptions. I had four last year, so I feel like I took a, a dip low. So, I want to be able to get to double digits interceptions, uh, 100 tackles. Uh, you know, anything that I ever did, I want to be able to top that. And And, and I understand that if I'm going to do that – And have the same success that I had last year. I had to work even harder. Or if not work as hard as I did last year. So that's kind of always my mentality going to every offseason. Don't take no breaks. Don't take no shortcuts. Do the same exact work you did last year. Because that's the only way you can accept any kind of good results.
0: Is there something specific that you take each offseason that you want to focus on or improve upon? Um. I always wanted to prove on everything. I, I always, I always talked
2: about that and thought in myself. I want to be a round, rounded player. You see all the time, they 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 want to put you in a box. They kind of want to put you in a label. Oh, he's just, he just a ball hawk, or he could just play in the post, or oh, it's a box safety. He can only play in the box. I never want to be labeled as that. I always wanted to be. Hey, that's the most well-rounded safety in the league. He can play in the box. He can play in the post. He can play on the hashes. He can blitz the quarterback, get sacks, and uh. It could be a special team, team guys. well. I played special teams last year, so I always want to do as much as I can for for my team because that's kind of how I always was. You know, in high school, I played Ironman football almost, and I played both sides. I Started offense, started on defense, so I just always want to be a super viable uh, asset to the team.
1: Mike just listed a bunch of things that have happened in your life, both professionally and personally, in the last couple of years. When you look back over all of that, are you surprised by how quickly things have happened for you?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Um definitely surprised. I wouldn't say I was surprised because, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I wouldn't say I expected it. It's, it's almost one of those things where I kind of just put my head down and understood that I had to work super hard. And I always, I'm always going to have to work super hard. And, you know, things are kind of just happening good for me. So it's definitely a blessing. I'm trying to just take it all in. But at the same time, I don't want to get caught up on, you know, oh, my God, I'm a pro bowler. I'm an all pro. It's like, Okay, let's get another one. Uh, you made it to the pro Bowl. Let's go to another one. You know, you had eight interceptions. Let's get eight more. You know what I'm saying? So I think when I'm done playing I retired. I'll be one of those guys kind of looking back and seeing what I did and be like, whoa, I can't believe
0: I accomplished, you know, so much. You're not even 26 yet. No, no, 26 in August? In August, Okay. Yeah. During training camp. <laughs> I was thinking about this, though, and we, we got to know your family story during the process. You're one of seven. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, you're living in Atlanta, your mm-hmm. mom is is working hard to take care of your family. You've moved from Philadelphia. Right. You and your older brother are raising your other five siblings. And now you're getting to have your own child. Right. And your child is gonna know such a different life than what you knew growing for up. For sure. That's gotta be amazing.
2: It definitely it's gotta is. make you proud too. Ah, for sure. I mean, this is what I work for. I work to get to the point where my child don't have to grow up how I grew up, my child can grow up with everything, you know. Hopefully, I get to the point where you know, if my child gets to go to college or whatever, and they want to go to law school or, or want to be a doctor or something like that, I want to be able to provide that for them without them having to, you know. I mean, I feel like everybody has stumbles in their life, and everybody's gonna need help. But at the end of the day, I don't want it to be where, because when I feel like when I was in high school, I always felt that getting a, a football scholarship was gonna be my only way out. And I don't want it to be like that. I wanted my child to have options to be able to grow up and, and not have the hardship that I grew up with because I think that allows you know, a child to really flourish into being a great person.
0: Do I have the story right that in in a nine-year period your family was evicted seven times?
2: Yeah. I Honestly, every year that we was living in Atlanta, we probably had to move. I think it was oh. only – I did, like you said, I think my sophomore junior year probably was the only year that we didn't have to move. But junior year we had to move – Senior year once I left from college, when I came back my freshman year, was in a new house, sophomore year in college, new house, junior year, new house, senior year, new house, and then you know, ever since I've been in the league, my family's been in the same spot, been able to pay my mom's rent. So it's probably the longest they've been in in the house, you know, since we've been living in Atlanta.
0: Yeah. Can you can you enjoy what you're having based on having gone through that? Can you can you ever I'm not saying rest on your laurels, but is there a part of you that never gets comfortable having grown up that way?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's like, you know, I always kind of think about this all the time. Like, you know, being smart with my money and things like that, I always think that, you know, I don't ever want to get in a position where my family has to be in that position and has to move and have to move. So, I mean, me buying my house last year was probably one of the most proudest moments I have because it's like, you know, if anything happens, I have somewhere – I have a roof over my head, and that's something that's just always been super important to me. So, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an enjoyable moment to know that my mom don't have to move. She don't have to worry about getting evicted and and also for myself. So it's just something I'm always, you know, thinking about consciously.
1: It sounds like you've had so many experiences that have impacted the decisions that you've made as a man. Mm -hmm. Um, Going into parenting, which I'm assuming is a whole different world. Yeah, (laughs) um, (laughs) What is the one thing that you're most looking forward to or you're most excited about?
2: Just, I think, for the most important thing for my daughter, just giving her the, the time, the attention, and just giving her as much love as I possibly can. Because at the end of the day, I think that, you know, especially when I went through my times being when my family, my mom and my dad, they broke up and moved to Atlanta. That was kind of tough for me, you know, kind of just having my mom and my dad was three, 400 miles away and. uh now, you kind of go through things as a child growing up in a single home, so I think the most important thing that I can give my daughter is to be able to see, you know, her mom and my dad grow up in the same house, and uh, I, I think that's truly a blessing. I think most people don't kind of take it for granted a little bit that most people, you know, some people don't grow up with no father, and it affects them. They don't. I think most people don't even realize how much it affects them until they get older, and they True. realize, like, man, if I had my dad, I think things would be different or whatever. So I think that's the most important thing is going to be, you know, having – you know, daddy's love, you know what I'm saying, for, for my for my daughter. So that's one thing I just want to give
0: to when her. When you were coming up, and Amy and I talked to a lot of people about you, and like I said, we were, we were fans before you ever got here, and that's why this has been so much fun for us to watch you have this success. But when I talked to my friends at Middle, they said, Kevin Byard is a solid dude, just a solid dude. And that was the experience we had, and that's what we have seen you could have gone the other way with some of the experiences that sure. you have. Where did that come from? How did you become that solid dude going through all of that and able to make these choices about your money and your career and your mm-hmm. tra- You, it, it seems like Kevin Byard always makes the right choice.
2: Sure. I think most of it or some of it has to do with now how I was brought up and having to raise my uh, siblings coming out of high school. Uh, and then A lot of it had to do with the influence I had from different coaches and stuff like that. I think – Coaches has seen some things in me and say, hey, you know, you can't always be with this this crowd. You know what I'm saying? You might have to separate yourself because you have something special within you. And I know. I just think some, something that God blessed me with just had the vision to be able to see, not really see the future, but kind of see like, hey, man, if I keep doing this and go this way, then this will happen. So I think that, you know, by me being myself and and being in a position I was kind of in a situation of desperation, like, you know, if I mess this situation up in college and I get kicked out or something like that, what am I going to do? I'm just gonna go home and live with my mom. Like that was that really wasn't an option. So it was always something that motivated me. Like, hey, you don't really have time to mess around. And you have to stay focused on your goals and just keep going. Don't look. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Just keep going straight. And I kind of had tunnel vision, and I still had tunnel vision until until I kind of reached my goals. And my goals is not just you know not just all pros and stuff that I accomplished on the field, sure. but I think this is gonna be a springboard for the rest of my life.
0: That's real faith. Yeah. I want to ask you, too, about the the people at Middle, because I I have so many people at Middle that I just think so much of. The coaches and the people in that athletic department, if you would talk about some of them and what they meant as maybe not father figures, but as aunts and uncles and right. people who guided you along to help you get here.
2: Yeah, I can even talk about Coach Stock still. It's funny that uh – you know, this year we ha- kind of have a mantra that, you know, instead of saying good, we're saying great. It's funny that Coach Stock used to always say this all the time. He was like, you know, whenever you're walking anywhere and somebody asks you, you know, how you're doing, he say, stay outstanding. Don't just say good or, yeah, I'm doing okay. He say, stay outstanding because you, you never know, like, the mind. He said you could almost trick your mind, even if you're not having a great day. But if you're saying it over and over again, it kind of just transforms your day from having a bad day to having great and just all about having that, a good mentality. So, I always did, I always used to do that. You know, anybody ask me how I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm doing excellent. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing outstanding. Even though it might not be the best day, but over time, and over time people keep, people keep seeing that, just that energy that you can have. I don't know, just something I've always been about. And, you know, Coach Stock has always been a great influence in, in my life, especially going through college because it wasn't just always about football. He always, you know, had a special message. It was one thing that we always did during training camp that he always let some of the leaders on the team get, like, five to ten minutes in front of the team just to talk. Not about football, just about, you know, if you had a special message that you want to give out to the team. And that was something that we always took really to heart. Like, I used to be in my locker, like, man, what I'm going to say to the team, what kind of message do I want to give to the team? And I always try to maybe look at some Muhammad Ali quotes or I may look at different videos and try to draw up something that I'm going to say to the team and give a good message. So I think that's always what I've always been about, not only being a good football player, but being a great person off the field.
1: So you've been a leader well before you came to the Tennessee Titans. This is a part of you going all the way back to your younger years.
2: Yeah, I mean it was it was something, and it's funny because I think that you know as a leader, it's not about oh you're saying oh you're born a leader. I don't I don't feel it. I feel like you're kind of thrust in that position of leadership, and you have to kind of work your way through it. You know what I'm saying I don't I I do think sometimes you have certain qualities, but at the same time like you're kind of being put in a position of leadership, and you have to you have to understand that you know it's not always about leading from the back; it's about leading from the front. So I think I always try to, you know, lead by example. That's one thing I always been big on. I'm always I really always wasn't a rah rah talk about leadership. I always try to lead by example. And then once people see that, then you can kinda of hold people accountable to different things like that. So I always try to lead by example.
1: I am going to say though, that of the louder groups on this Tennessee <laughs> Titans team, um, I think the DBs might have it. You oh, guys sure. are, a, are a rowdy crowd. How do you even get a word in edgewise with some of the other personalities in that room?
2: <laughs> I mean, it's just it, first, it's all about competition and having a passion for the game. I think that you know our group, we have a pretty high standard. We understand we have a lot of great guys in the room, and we want to keep pushing each other to be the best. And uh, and I think that you know, whether it's Logan, Malcolm, Midori, myself, Kenny. You know, we just like to talk trash, and that's just something that DBs always do. You kind of have to get in that mode that, because I mean, being in a position, you know, we can't we can't give up too many passes. We talk about a baseball analogy like a guy can go three for ten and go to the Hall of Fame shooting batting three hundred, but you go three for ten at DB, you're gonna lose your job. So it's kind of where you always want to be perfect, be perfect. And I don't know, sometimes you play a little mind games with the receivers in the offense, but. And I think it's one of those positions that I had a coach in high school. He said, "Man, you playing safety, you kind of be like you have to be kind of like King Kong back there, you know, beating your chest and saying that hey, you're not gonna come this way, you're not gonna run the ball this way, you're not gonna throw the ball this way, and you kind of almost strike fear into the offense." And you you never know, like I said, man, sometimes most of this stuff is more mental than physical. So if a guy see you out there, oh, that's Kevin Barrett, that guy picks off the ball, he might not throw it my way, or if he do, he's kind of ah, uh, did I make did I make the right decision? So that's kind of how I always been.
0: Do you like the new rule that will allow pass interference to be reviewed? I I don't really think that –
2: I mean, I kind of like it because I think it it should be – if you're calling it regular, it would probably make the game more fair. But I don't really see it happening like that. You know, I think, you know, they want to see, you know, teams score a lot of points. And I don't really – we'll, we'll just have to see. Let, we'll see how they call in the preseason. And if they ask – receivers get away with a lot of stuff in my opinion they get away with a lot of stuff and the game is real hard for for us guys covering you can't really touch them you kind of just run with them that's
0: pretty hard to do so i mean we'll we'll see how it happens you can catch yeah not every defensive back can (laughs) catch (laughs) you will admit that right no for sure for sure how did you learn to be such a, a, a or how did you become such a guy with good hands it started off you know my background in football started on
2: offense you know i was a like I said, I played both sides of the ball. I was starting off. I started playing quarterback, and I think that's honestly will help my transition to safety a lot more because, you know, playing quarterback, you kind of you understand route concepts, you understand certain coverage beaters, you st- you understand a lot more. And then once I transition from quarterback, I start playing receiver. I start playing receiver and DB at the same time. So that's where most of my hands kind of develop from just playing receiver, and then. You know, I really honestly didn't actually learn the position of safety until I got to college. I mean, once I was in high school, I was just kind of out there floating around making plays. But I actually learned the position of safety when I got to college. And just having that both cerebral mind of offense and defense, it helped my football knowledge a lot, my football IQ.
1: Being able to catch is a valuable skill. That's good to have good hands. My man over here threw a touchdown pass uh, yes, <laughs> in a game. Yeah. So you can also throw the ball. Exactly. What was that experience like? Because, I mean, it, we knew it was a trick little play, but we haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. What right. was that experience like?
2: It was crazy. I mean, it's funny because, you know, we've been practicing it all training camp. And it was one of those things, like, hey, man, we get it. We're going to call it. If we are gonna call it. And honestly, you see, a, I mean, every football team, every NFL team has trick plays on, on punt team. hmm but you don't really run them Like you be practicing All year, all year Like when we gonna call it when We gonna call it You never call it And it was funny So we had got a certain look The game before in Miami And we could have ran it But the coach You know very We didn't we didn't get the blessing From the head coach And then he said Man this game Man if we get this look Just run it And right before we came out On the field Coach said hey man The fake is up So if you get the look You call it So when I lined up I couldn't believe they left them uncovered. And I'm like, wow. So I kind of just took a big, deep breath was like, <laughs> just lay it up there. That's all you got to do, just lay it up there. <laughs> and I'm throwing a great pass, man. It's funny because I was thinking, like, man, maybe they didn't read the sky report. They didn't know I played high school quarterback. Because so, when I actually talked to the guys after the game, they said, man, we had no clue. We did not think that you was ever going to throw the ball no matter how much we disrespected you and left the guy uncovered. So – I doubt that will ever happen again, so we may have to draw up a different trick play.
0: <laughs> what did that mean to the team in regards to your feelings about Mike Vrabel?
2: I mean, it's just, it just let us know that he has full trust in us as players. You know, it's just like I always kind of look at even when we didn't – even when we went for two-point conversion in the L.A. game and it didn't work. But at the end of the day, we understand that, hey, man, this man's trying to win football games. It's not about being conservative, laying back. No, it's about going out there trying to win. And, you know, it, all, it don't always work, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it just lets us know, like, man, this guy has full trust in his players. And uh, he has trust in me to be able to throw that touchdown or throw the pass or whatever. So that definitely felt great for me.
1: Having a coach that's that aggressive, we'll call it, and that willing to take chances, does it make your preparation a little bit different? Not like when you're installing some of those trick plays and things that eh, you may or may not ever get that look. Right. You know that Vrabel could call that.
2: Exactly. Like I said, it kind of makes you get excited throughout the week because it's like, hey, we're putting in this new blitz or we're putting in this new, this new trick players. Like, man, we get this look. Vrabel's actually going to call it. You can, and it's funny because you, now you can kind of whisper to him, like, hey, Vrabel,
0: you see that fake? <laughs> yeah, hey, you need to
2: call it. You need to call it, man. It's going to work. So. Do you
0: really say, hey, Vrabel?
2: I mean, I yeah, like coach Vrabel. Okay, yeah, I got Vrabel. it. That's okay. Might call That's him Mike, okay. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, <that'd> be, yeah. <laughs> he probably likes that, actually. Exactly. No, Vrabel, I mean, he's a, he's a true players coach. Like, he'll sit down in the meeting rooms, and have real discussions about you know not not just game plan stuff but just talking about different techniques and you can really have a real discussion an intellectual discussion about about football because i mean he's a football whiz he loves talking ball so i mean i'm the same kind of guy me logan kenny anytime we're in a break or we're just sitting down in the room like we could sit here draw drop different plays and different disguises and stuff like that so i mean he's, he's a great coach
0: some people thought that even though your interceptions went from eight in 2017 to four last year that you had a better year as a safety mm. why would they think that based on the tape and do you agree
2: uh I, I do agree it's funny i didn't agree you know at the end of the year uh I, for some reason i was feeling like man i could have did a lot more but you know when i'm watching the film i feel like i became more of an all-around safety than i did the year before i think the year before was you know, all about making interception making interceptions but I think last year I mean I showed that I can I can blitz the quarterback. I had two sacks last year. I had more tackles than I had the previous year. So I definitely feel like I became an all around more well rounded player and a smarter player as well. Because like I said, I had a, a 16 more games under my belt. But um, honestly, I still feel like you know the sky's still the limit. I feel like I can you know reach another plateau and uh, just keep getting better. And honestly, I mean I I I, I don't want to make any predictions, but sure. at the end of the day, I, I do feel like I can be a lot better player than I was last year.
1: As you grow and change, what changes about you as a player?
2: Uh, no, I think just as my IQ gets higher and understanding, you know, different things. Like one thing that I really learned more, I learned more about protections and how the offense called protections last year. So me and, and the safety, we kind of was able to work in and, and kind of manipulate the offensive line to get free blitzers where Logan can make get free on the blitz because we showed a certain disguise and now they – they switched the O-line this way, but you know, there's a lot of different stuff that I can keep adding to my game, adding different pass rush moves that I've been trying to do this all season. So, I mean, I think, like I said, I'm trying to be an all-around, well-rounded player I don't want to just, you know, be stuck to one thing and they just know
0: for Kevin Barry being a ball hawk. We've heard more than once that Dean P's defense is great for safeties. Yes. Why? I mean, I just think you just have so much freedom.
2: And not only do you have a lot of freedom, I think you have the opportunity to be really be able to run the defense. And a lot of stuff is predicated off the safeties. So when I when Dean first got here last year, I watched a whole lot of Eric Weddle film and watched Eric Weddle just – I mean, this guy was all around the field. I mean, I think every quarterback at the beginning of the snap, they're looking at Eric Weddle because they're like, man, what is he doing? Because he's at the line of scrimmage, and then when he snapped the ball, he's 15 yards deep. So I think it, it's real great for safeties. And, I mean, you talking about Ed Reed. I mean, he's coached Rodney Harris. I mean, he's coached some real great safeties. And like I said, watching the film of those guys, you can really understand why this is a safety-ran defense because we have so much freedom. We have so much freedom in disguises, uh, different blitzes, all type of different
1: stuff. You know, it never occurred to me that when you get a new coach, even position coach or something like that, you'd look at film from the previous team to see what they're doing. How much research do you do in preparation for a new coach or coordinator or something like that?
2: Yeah, well, so I'm, I've i been truly blessed to have two coaches that – I mean, I used to study film in college on Troy Polamalu and the Steelers and where Dick LeBeau was coaching as well. So, I mean, then, like I said, when Dean Pease came in, it's like, oh, I mean, this guy coached Ed Reed. I'm going to be doing the same stuff Ed Reed do. Let me watch how he did it. Because, honestly, that's what I was really trying to do was trying to see how how Weddle showed certain disguises. Or why did Weddle do this? So I'm asking Dean Pease, why was Weddle doing this? Or why was Ed Reed doing this and try to – Take, not only try to be like them, but just add those kind of things to my
0: game and kind of make it my own. Kenny Vaccaro's back. Yeah. And you're happy about that. Everybody's happy about that. But I bet it was kind of bittersweet with the Jonathan Ciprian For situation. Sure. From a personal s- standpoint, from a DB standpoint, and you know, from a professional standpoint, talk about how you kind of weigh that in your own mind.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's the tough thing about the business. You know what I'm saying? You, you grow relationships with people you know, I had a full year with Sip and Sip had a great year uh the on 2017. And uh to, to kind of see how it was playing out, kinda understand that he they might let him go or they might keep Kenny. You know, it, it's tough. But at the end of the day, man, I know a guy like Sip will bounce back on his feet, and I, I know he'll be great off for it. But uh I mean having Kenny back, I mean, it's definitely exciting. And uh to have a whole other year in the same defense with the with the same guy on the back end, we can work so many different disguises, we can do we can do so many different things. But just like I said, man, it's just the business of football.
0: Fair to call Kenny Vaccaro a heat-seeking missile?
2: Oh, that's definitely fair. That, that might be an understatement. I mean, this guy—he brings it. Mm-hmm. This guy has no no care for his body. I mean, he throws himself around. I mean, this guy had a dislocated elbow and still walked off the field like nothing happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's 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 somebody that you want to go to war with, and you know, every single Sunday.
1: In that room that's constantly changing, a new rookie is coming in, and Amani mm-hmm. Hooker. What do you do to help rookies as they're trying to find their feet within the locker room?
2: I mean, you, I think the the main thing with rookies, you know, that they just have to come in being humble and come in ready to work and understand that, hey, just, I mean, honestly, pick the brains of the vets. And that's kind of what I do. I, I ask questions or I answer questions for them. And I think that's the main thing as a rookie sometimes. You kind of get a rookie treatment from the coaches a little bit, like you kind of get screamed at. You, especially Combs is super intense guy, but to be able to, you know, pull a vet to the side, ask some questions, we'll be able to easily relate to the rookies because I was in that position as well uh, when I first came in, learned the extremely hard defense. So, uh, but I, I think he, I think he'll be great. Uh, I think he's going to come in the rookie minicamps camps and do great. And and I mean, just by watching him on film, and he's a savvy guy. He's played a lot of different positions in the back end, so I think he'll be good.
1: How many times has Coach Combs chased you? or anybody completely down the field <laughs> he is constantly right. chasing after people i mean
2: you see him out here i mean he's out here with us right now running sprints man trying to get in shape to make sure he can keep chasing us around i mean it's exciting man to have a coach that brings that much energy you know to the practice field because it kind of holds you accountable it's like man if my coach is, is this old? He's running around. Man, I gotta get. I gotta get myself on a roll. So, I mean, it's exciting, man. I think he's bring. He probably brings the most energy to practice every single day, and I'm. I'm glad to have him in our room for sure.
0: You can call him the the mayor. You can call him all pro. You can call him a Pro Bowler. In September, you'll be able to call him Dad.
1: <laughs> or someone's dad. He's someone's dad. dad.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Number thirty one <laughs> in your program fourth year man out of middle tennessee state university kevin Byrd. thank you for joining us nah, no problem man it's it an honor and a blessing to be here for amy wells i'm mike keith thanks for being with us on this edition of the otp